Welcome to Power That Matters. I'm Tom Banks, Director of Marketing at ESPM, and today we continue our discussion with Adam Hochschild. Adam, somewhere during your business career, you found DSPM. So tell me, why did you decide to partner with us? Well, DSPM is unique in a way that they're the they're the only I would call them a commercial UPS or a commercial lighting inverter manufacturer that offered a harsh environment or outdoor UPS slash inverter design. Most of the commercial UPS slash lighting inverter manufacturers, that is all that they do. And they have assembly lines set up. And it does not make sense for them to interrupt that assembly line process because it really limits the number of units that they can get out when they start going outside of that assembly line. DSPM is the only manufacturer that I have met that I would say does high volume commercial UPS, but they can take an order for an industrial harsh environment or outdoor requirement and produce that that design within a, a reasonable time frame and it doesn't interrupt the way that they go to market and the way that they dominate the market today. They're able to take an order that I would call a custom and they can blend that in with the high volume that they do on a daily basis. And that's really neat. Uh, uh, Milton Hansen was the first person that I ever talked to from a manufacturer that didn't say no, that didn't say we can't do that. He never even said, let me look into that. I'll get back to you. Let me see what we can do. From the minute that I first called him, and told him, look, I've got a lighting inverter. I, I've, I've been selling lighting inverters to the Chicago Transit Authority for 12 years, but all of those commercial lighting inverters have failed. They are, have brought me in to rewrite their specification, and we're writing what I am calling a harsh environment lighting inverter spec. Is this something you could build? And, and uh, Mo told me, he said, absolutely. That was his answer. Absolutely, we can do that. And then he said, have you had a chance to look at our website? And I said, I'm sorry, I haven't. I actually haven't looked into DSPM. This is my first call to you guys and, and talking to you. And he said, well, you should look at our website because we have an outdoor UPS uh, that we've already designed and built. It might be something that you're looking for. So I jumped on the internet, went and looked at it, and from that point on, I knew that DSPM was capable of providing these harsh environment lighting inverters that nobody else in the world built. They simply didn't exist. Yeah, that's good to hear. And uh, I can assure you. Uh, from the perspective of uh, DSPM employees, Mo does know how to say no. <laughs>
<laughs> I know. I know that now after working with him for a few years. Yes, he does. But he does it. He, does, he never jumps to the word no. And I've met so many other manufacturers where the first thing, they'll, they almost try to steer you away what you're coming to them for. They try to tell you why their standard product is better than the competition and it should meet your needs. But when you're selling UPS, it's the last it's the last point of defense. It's your your emergency power system. Should and might are not words that customers want to hear. And Mo never goes that direction. You know, the worst case scenario, I've had him say, let me look into this, we'll get back to you. But he always finishes it with, I think we can make this work. Always turns it into a positive. He just has that way of, you know, there's negative selling and there's positive mm-hmm. selling, and, and, and he sells positively, if that makes sense. It does. It really does. Mo is an engineer and likes to solve problems. He's always open to a discussion. Whether you're, you work for Mo or you work with Mo, it's a, he's a good guy to work with, and uh, he likes to solve problems, and that's what he does. He's been an excellent resource, and DSTM has been an amazing partner um, since I started ALH. They've, you know, I a lot of my success I owe to their backing. You know, everything that they've been for me as a manufacturer, I couldn't have done a lot of what I have done and accomplished without them. Well, thank you very much for that. As you're out there doing your selling, you woke up one day thanks to Kodak, you're a salesman, and the people we reach in this industry, the engineer that's driving the project, the specifying engineer, have you discovered a secret, a a process that works best for you for reaching these people that are protected by gatekeepers and hold up in their engineering offices to do their job and not want to be bothered by salespeople? Well, you know, it's kind of funny that you ask that because that's been one of the keys to success in, in, throughout my career and the success of ALH Power Systems is that there are a lot of specifying electrical engineers out there. It, you know, it took a while for the UPS industry to get enough commercial units out there for there to be enough end users that do not have conditioned environments that they're putting their UPS in. And they have finally exhausted the life of their batteries or their UPS. And they've gone back to the specifying engineer to ask, why did my 10-year design life UPS and my 10-year warranty batteries not last six years? You know, we expected 10 to 12 years out of this stuff. It has a 10-year design life rating. How come we're not even getting six years out of this equipment? It took that time for those engineers to specify the first UPSs and then the time for those UPSs to fail in those unconditioned environments and enough time for those end users to go back to the original specifying engineer to ask them, why did what you specified not make 
the design life that we were sold. And those engineers started drilling us UPS salespeople who supported them on the initial spec. I was probably one of the first sales guys to say, I know why your commercial UPS didn't last. I know why those batteries aren't lasting. In an environmentally uncontrolled environment, you know, I liken it to this. UPS and batteries are much like people. They like to be at 77 mm-hmm. degrees. A lot of people think San Diego is the perfect place to live. I think the average year-round temperature for San Diego is between 72 and 75 degrees, something like that. Well, people like to be at that. 77 degrees is like a comfortable temperature, okay? And like I said before, for every 10 degrees above or below 77, you have the life of a commercial UPS and or commercial UPS batteries. So that's a very important statistic to know and to be able to educate these specifying engineers and let them know if you're putting a UPS into an environment, say a warehouse, say they need to back up the assembly line, the robotics that that manufacture things, or the pharmaceutical manufacturers that they've got all these manufacturing processes that they actually spend a lot of money to make sure they're backed up so that if they have a power glitch or an outage, that it doesn't affect their production. Well, they want to put the UPS as close to those production lines as possible so that if the UPS goes into alarm, the people who are working on that line are the first person to see it and be able to respond before something has failed. So they started putting in UPSs and lighting inverters in these warehouses that were not as tightly climate controlled as data centers are. And a lot of people started putting UPSs in phone closets and things like that that just simply they might may have been in uh, an environmentally conditioned space, but it was not an environmentally conditioned room. Mm-hmm. Taking closets, for example, uh, you know, it might be in the middle of a climate-controlled building, but that telephone closet inside gets very warm, gets up to 82 to 85 degrees in there. And that was having the life of the equipment, and there were a lot of people asking, why have my UPS and batteries not lasted more than five years? And so I had that answer. And not only did I have the answer, but I had the alternative solution. And it was a harsh environment, or um, it was a UPS system that did not need to be climate controlled. And first, I was able to find a manufacturer like DSPM that said, We can build a UPS that doesn't need to be conditioned. The problem was there were no batteries out there that didn't need conditioning. Sure. Finally, the battery industry ended up catching up, and now we have high-temperature batteries. Uh, in, In the past, like I said, 10 degrees above 77, you have the life of a 10-year battery. Well, there are a lot of spaces that get warmer than 87 degrees, 
I've seen spaces that get up between 90 and 100 degrees, especially if it's outdoors in the summertime. With solar gain and all that, I've seen equipment that gets to 110 degrees inside the cabinet. And a lot of times the batteries are inside of that cabinet. And so I started touting these systems that were rated for well over 100 degrees and would give a 20-year design life at 100 plus degrees. And, and nobody else in the country had that solution. Other than VSPM, I don't know of any other lighting inverter manufacturer that has a harsh environment design package. We don't want to tell the competition, though, that. That's a secret. <laughs> They've found out, but they just don't have the solution to build one. They're so focused on the volume that they have to put out right. are not going to take the one-off orders for the harsh environment requests. And we're more agile. Uh, as a software developer, that's my background, uh, agility and agile approach to software development means you're flexible, adaptive, uh, responsive to the needs of the customer, as opposed to just selling them the best fit. This is what we have. It's good enough. Exactly. That attracted me to, to DSPM when I met Mo. You know, as we look out at our, upon the marketplace, I gaze upon the marketplace from our quiet little building in, in San Bernardino, just north of San Diego, by the way. Uh, we sense a greater interest in inverter technology for unconventional applications. Many ask if Buy America compliance is a big deal. I assure you, Buy America compliance is a very big deal. If your projects are federally funded, or you're just plain patriotic. Unfortunately, people are often confused by the very similar names of the three acts directing patriotic consumerism and stimulate the U.S. economy. They are the Buy America Act, the Buy American Act, or simply Buy American. First, the Buy America Act imposes restrictions specific to federal funds administered by the Department of Transportation under the Surface Transportation Assistance Act passed in 1982. The Buy America Act simply requires mass transit projects to use steel, iron, and manufactured products that are produced in the United States. Separate and distinct from the Buy America Act is the easily confused Buy American Act passed by Congress in 1933 during the Great Depression and signed into law by President Hoover, also created to stimulate the decimated American economy. This act mandates that the United States government and federally funded projects give preference to American-made products over foreign vendors. Simple as that. Finally, to complicate matters, the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act, often referred to as ARRA, the Obama Stimulus Plan, are just simply Buy American, mandates that final products purchased for the ARRA-funded public buildings and works projects must prove that 100% of the product's components are made in the United States. Certainly all three Buy America dot 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 programs sound similar and lead to confusion. But in fact their differences, albeit subtle, are uniquely specific. Patriotism aside, you can rest assured DSPM is fully Buy America Act, 
Buy American Act and Buy American Compliant, ensuring your project's requirements are met, whether in transportation, federal or commercial building, or a local public school. So what does it take to comply with federal mandates? First, the emergency lighting inverter must be manufactured in the United States. And second, most if not all of the product's components must also be manufactured in the U.S. So, if only 49% of a manufacturer's parts cost is domestic, the device is likely not Buy America or Buy American compliant. The good news is DSPM is fully compliant. Over half of our components' costs are domestic and 100% of DSPM's inverters are built right here in the good old USA, ensuring DSPM is Buy American and Buy America compliant, relieving you of just another burden, distraction, or concern. Before we continue, if you ever need help with any of your projects, you can reach DSPM toll-free at 877-377-6769. Rest assured our team is professional and understands our technology as well as your needs. Most importantly, DSPM is always at the ready and here to help. Let's return to our conversation with today's guest. We have a specifying engineer in Pasadena, and Mo explained to him how our lighting inverters don't have to be used for just lighting. And now he's using our inverter technology to provide backup power for elevators. So we see unconventional applications all over the place. In your case, is there an unconventional market that you're focusing on that people haven't thought about or that gives you an advantage? Yes. Uh, when I started in the UPS industry in 1999, I was assigned an account base. On one of those accounts was the Chicago Transit Authority. It's the uh, electrified light passenger rail system that services Chicago. Sure. And so the CTA had been putting in UPS systems to back up communications and things like that. But in early 2000, there became what we call Chicago Code. Chicago Code started requiring what they call UL 924. Mm -hmm. And UL 924 is now a national requirement across the, the USA. UL 924 is required from California to New York. It's the standard requirements for an emergency power system in lighting applications where pedestrian traffic is at hand, okay? They're looking to get people out of a building after the power has gone out safely. Right. And, right. and so UL 924 says that, you know, we've got to be able to run at all these different temperatures. We've got to be able to recharge in, in a quick enough time so that if we see one outage and then we see another outage immediately after that we've recovered enough to be able to accommodate that next outage. So UL 924 kind of standardizes the recharge requirements for emergency lighting inverters. So the Chicago Transit Authority started putting in emergency lighting inverters into all of their passenger stations. Mm -hmm. And they mm -hmm. said, um, you know, we're going to be putting these in unconditioned spaces. So VSPM, mm -hmm. again, the only one who had a harsh environment lighting inverter option 
they gave me the tools necessary to demonstrate to the CTA that there were options for them out there, okay? So instead of just talking about it to them hypothetically, DSPM already had the literature. They already had this stuff online that they could go right. and take a look at. Uh, it wasn't, hey, we can build this. DSPM was, hey, we've already built this. Take a look at what we've built. Right. Um, so that was kind of a unique tool. So we won the CTA over with DSPM and our harsh environment lighting inverter design. And that's how we started building trust with the specifying engineers within the CPA. And so about five years ago, CPA came to me and they said, look, a lighting inverter takes the battery, which is DC, and it converts the power of that DC battery to an AC sine wave on the output to power the light. Mm -hmm. So since DSPM builds a lighting inverter that converts DC to AC, and they can build this harsh environment lighting inverter, can they build us some, an, an inverter that will convert our electrified third rail, which is DC? Can, can they build us something that will take our electrified third rail, 600 volt DC nominal, and give us an AC sine wave on the output. And there were many manufacturers in the industry who told CTA, yes, we can do this. And CTA bought a lot of units from a lot of other manufacturers. And they all, no manufacturer's inverter ever lasted longer than two weeks. Wow. DSPM stepped up and said, yes, we can build this inverter, converting the DC to AC, and we can give you a 20-year design life just like we did on our harsh environment lighting inverters. And so CPA said, well, you know what, we've heard that answer from a lot of other manufacturers. We've bought a lot of units. None of them have lasted more than two weeks. We've got, we already have... Um, a lot of confidence in DSPM, would you be willing to build us a prototype or beta unit that we can test? And then if we, if we see that it works, we would start soul specifying DSPM and r making sure that DSPM is the only manufacturer that we would accept. And so DSPM actually took that challenge on at their own expense, they built this custom unit that probably nobody else, they would have never been able to sell it to anyone else. So they were right. doing this thing just for CPA. And it, it was the confidence that they had that they could build this unit that would last for 20 years, even in the face of every other manufacturer having already failed. DSPM said, not only can we do it, but we can do it and give you a 20 to 30 year design life, not the 10 that you've been specifying. And CPA goes, okay, put your money where your mouth is. Build us the unit. We'll test it. And if you can do that and that unit is reliable, we'll still specify you. And that's where we're at today. We are the only manufacturer in the United States that the CPA will accept one of these inverters from. It's a highly specialized design. But because 
we've now sold them to the CTA. They've now tested it, put it through its paces. The unit's been online for well over a year, the beta unit. I think it was installed in June of 2018. The first two months that it was installed, there were some tweaks that CTA asked for. But Mm -hmm. within two months of that unit being installed by August, we have not heard one hiccup or alarm out of that unit since August of 2018. We are now almost 18 months. The unit has not even thrown an alarm in 18 months. And it's in a very, very dirty, hot, cold environment. It's hot in the summer. It's cold in the winter. It's it's in Chicago. And it is in Chicago. Yeah, it's terrible. It's a it's a terrible environment. It's just so dirty and the trains pass by every day. And when trains break, the brakes on the train are made out of graphite. So when the trains break, those brake pads, they dust, and that dust will get inside of all of your electronics, and it will cause them to short circuit. And DSPM has figured out how to build a UPS that can be in a sealed box without overheating. And none of the other lighting inverters have, manufacturers have figured out how to do that reliably yet. Mo is a creative character, that's for sure. The average person says to me when I talk about the high-voltage DC to AC converter, the third rail converter, they, the one question they always ask me, and I don't really have a good answer, if the power goes out for the, the city, why doesn't the power go out for the third rail? Uh, okay, so that's a good question. The answer to that is the utility provider... Uh, We call it Commonwealth Edison here in Chicago. Uh So Commonwealth Edison provides normal power to all of the passenger stations. It has one feed that comes to it from one power grid. Well, because the train system has to be up and running all the time, when they made a deal with the utility to to use the utility's power to power the train, they said, we have to have uptime all the time. How can you ensure that that is going to happen? Because they were originally looking, do we power that third rail from the utility or do we build our own utility plan? And so the mm-hmm. utility provider came back and said, we will provide you with feeds from two separate grids. So not only does that third rail get backed up by two entirely separate grids, but then it is also backed up by CTA's own individual power systems, which are in these substations. So the substations take in power from two utility grids, and then they have their own standalone utility inside that substation. And so the third rail is fed three different power sources, whereas typically you only have one feed from utility. So they do that to keep the rails powered, but they didn't extend that one step further to provide the power necessary to keep the lights and the and the gates and the communications in the stations running. They were they're running that off of the city's grid. That's correct. It is simply too expensive to bring dual grid feeds 
to every passenger station. Okay. There's over 250 passenger stations in Chicago. And, and to, if they were bringing feeds from, let me give you an example, they, CTA looked at, instead of using the inverter, they did a cost analysis study to look at what it would cost to bring dual grid feeds to each passenger station from okay. the Chicago Loop to O'Hare Airport. It was the only line that they looked at to do this financial study. And, and to bring a dual grid feed to one station, the minimum cost was $10 million. So you're selling the high voltage DC to AC converter to them for $9 million? <laughs> I'm just kidding. So the cost benefits are unmistakably compelling. Astronomical. This is going to be a good contract for you. Not only, so now that we've done several of them with the CTA, CTA has then gone to these rail expos that happen annually, and they're talking to other rail end users. We've now gone out to New York City twice in the last 60 days, and New York City is, uh, says, look, we put in 50 kVA UPSs with 24 hours of battery at every passenger station. If we could eliminate that UPS and its 24 hours of battery and just use that third rail inverter, it would save us approximately 1.5 million per station. They have 375 stations. Wow. They figured it out. We can back up every station for what it would have cost them to do 10. This is very exciting. Very exciting. Yeah, it is. We're taking this same thing and we're, we're showing it to all the electrified light rail end users throughout the USA. Unfortunately, I'm spread too thin. We've got enough business coming from Chicago that it's very hard for me to get to all these other light rail end users. Uh, but if I had a couple more of me to go around, um, I think that this, we, we would see this thing just explode. You and I will work on that. I hear from listeners of Power That Matters all the time, and they're always looking for more ways to expand their market and, and make more money and find the, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And I believe, just like Mo, that providing power solutions for these unique applications like CTA and, and other rails around the country is an opportunity that's totally untapped. What are your expectations for the industry in the next 10 years? What, what, what are you hoping happens in our industry? Honestly, I see all of the electrified passenger rail systems in, in every major city in the USA. I see them all. I've visited a lot of these end users already. They all tell me that real estate is a premium for them. They don't have the manpower to maintain all of the battery systems that they have. They don't have the real estate for the UPS and battery systems. They need to be able to reclaim that real estate and they need to eliminate the batteries because number one, they're not maintaining them as they should be. So the batteries are failing earlier than they should. 
mm-hmm. and then they don't have the money to replace them when they've failed. So these power systems that they're buying are failing in less than 10 years, and they don't have the money to replace them. But now National Electric Code is starting to drive the emergency power requirement for emergency lighting. And so these guys are going to have to find the money to replace these systems or replace it with something that doesn't need batteries, and that's what the third rail inverter will do. I think all we have to do is show it to them, and it sells itself. It's the solution that all of these rail end users are looking for. It goes without saying. There's no question. I was looking at this market. When I was interviewing Zach Vorgius, the engineer in, in Southern California, who discovered the realization that our inverters could be used for elevators, he shared with me some insights that, that I found compelling. You know, that on average in America, the average building has an elevator lift of four to five floors. So we're not talking high-rise buildings. But the real problem he he realized in his community is that they would normally use diesel generators. But with the demand for solar and alternative energies, the roofs of all these buildings are consumed by solar and they have no landscape anymore to put these generators and and fuel storage devices. When Mo drew his attention to why not use the inverter, which takes up almost no space, and we can provide any number of minutes or hours of backup for the elevator without the maintenance and the headache and the environmental impact of of diesel generators, and to deal with the fact that they don't have any room on the roofs anymore because there's solar arrays up there, opens up an amazing market with 900,000 or something elevators active in America. It's some gigantic number like that. These are these marketplaces that define the difference between a successful mission and just another Me Too business opportunity. And your experience with the CTA and the electric rail marketplace and the cities that support these and with the understanding that lighting inverters are not just lighting inverters. It's almost a misnomer that these are power inverters and they can be used for a variety of applications as long as you understand the problem you're trying to solve. Well, thank you. I appreciate you thinking of me uh, for doing this, and and I appreciate all the support that I get from you guys. I look forward to working with you in the future. You'll see some interesting marketing and branding coming out of DSPM regarding these unique and more specific applications that are well beyond just lighting. We're excited about that. Adam, I can't express my appreciation for you taking time with me today. You're a treat. Mo told me you were an interesting character, and you truly are. You're insightful, you're knowledgeable, and we can't express our appreciation more for how much you support DSPM, and thank you for that. Well, thank you. I appreciate you thinking of me uh, for doing this, and, and I appreciate all the support that I get from you guys. I look forward to working with you in the future. Thank you, Adam. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Happy holidays. You too. Excellent. Thank you very much, Thomas. Well, that brings today's episode of Power That Matters to a close. Certainly, none of this is possible without your participation. Next week, join us here at Power That Matters as we continue to discuss emergency power with experts from around the country. If you have any questions you want answered or topics you'd like discussed, please email them to me at tbanks at dspmanufacturing.com. Also, if you need help with any projects, Simply call DSPM toll-free at 877-377-6769. Our team understands our technology, your needs, and is here to help. 
Again, thank you for making all we do possible. From all of us at DSPM to you, our partners in ensuring the lights are on when they matter most in an emergency. Be well and never forget, DSPM is here with power that matters. 